Hi guys, I don't normally run ads on this show, but this is the family business, luggagewarehouse.co.za. My dad, my brother, my stepbrother, my uncle have all worked for Luggage Warehouse directly, and I've done freelance brand strategy for them for years now. So it supports the whole family. It supports this show indirectly. So if you're looking for luggage, accessories, uh, handbags, and fashion stuff, even you can go to luggagewarehouse.co.za. And there are two products that I want to pull out for you here. Number one being Builderset, which allows you to create your own combination of large, small, medium, check-in, hand luggage, all that stuff. And it gives you a discount for each additional bag you buy up to a certain limit, I think. But you can get great discounts on big collections of big luggage. So if you're thinking of immigrating, it's the perfect way to kind of gear up for that. And the second thing I want to pull out is Luggage Glove, which is a protective sleeve that my dad invented. My brother has kind of perfected over the years. It's a thick 3D fabric mesh sleeve that pulls over your um, over your luggage and then locks closed. It's got a TSA lock. It's got holes for the handles, so it's quite convenient. It's not like single-use plastic wraps because you don't have to cut open a hole in the plastic to use the handle you can take it off easily it's got a combination lock and it's much more sustainable because you're not just murdering turtles with single-use plastic Uh, but it makes the bag much more difficult to get into and it protects it from bumps and scrapes and if you are emigrating then those are two important things because you might be carrying actual valuables in your check-in luggage and because they're going to be heavy and you might be going a long distance they can pick up some major damage so luggage gloves uh, do a great job of protecting your luggage in the long term That's it for my pitch, luggagewarehouse.co.za. There's a link in the show notes. Hi, everyone. John here. Before we get started, I just want to apologize for the break in episodes. I went away on a fishing trip, and I just couldn't find the time to put one together. Another apology is for the sound quality in this episode. We ended up having to record on Zoom because of some technical difficulties, and it's not quite the sound quality that I shoot for. On a more positive note, we are heading towards our 20th episode of South African Expats, so I will release a special episode next week or the week after, depending on timing. And I've got some announcements to make about the website, a possible new social media channel and some new resources, and my plans for season two of the show. Without further ado, here's Sven Zamfarov in Vancouver. Hi everyone and welcome back to South African Expats. My name is Jonathan Vonker, I'm your host. And today we are looking towards Canada and Vancouver specifically. We're talking to Sven Zamfarov, which is maybe not the most South African name you've ever heard, but considering how multicultural we are, I don't think it's any less South African than anyone else. I was born in Namibia, for example. So Sven, welcome to the show and thanks so much for giving us your time. Hi, John. Yeah, yeah you're very welcome. It's, it's absolutely my pleasure. So Sven, let's expand a little bit. You, you're from Bulgaria originally, right? And you moved to South Africa a few years, well, quite a while ago. Yeah, that's, uh, that's right. I was born in Bulgaria and at the age of 22, I moved to South Africa. Where did you move to in South Africa? So I moved to Johannesburg and for 19 years in South Africa, I lived um, in Johannesburg. Why did you initially move from Bulgaria to, uh, to Johannesburg? Um, I have a relative in South Africa, in Johannesburg, and we used to talk about South Africa in general and um, how beautiful the place is. and. That he was suggesting that once uh, I finished with all, all my things uh, that I was busy with in uh, Bulgaria, I should just go to South Africa and uh, check it out and have a look, see if I like it. So that's exactly what I did. I flew over to South Africa and I absolutely loved it. So I said, well, that's it. I'm going to stay here and make a life for myself. Amazing. Okay. And then you've lived there 19 years. 19 years, yes. Uh, and um, obviously, it's not an easy thing to do, going from one country to another and uh, settle down and obviously build a life from scratch. But um, yeah, the, the hard moments are very few. Uh, mainly, it's a lot of fun. I love every every piece of it, uh, every bit of it. Uh, South Africa, it's, uh, it's a beautiful place. And um, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun building a life there. Met my wife in there. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting experience and one that I would treasure forever. What do you do uh, professionally? When I went to South Africa at the time, um, I was a qualified technician or mechanic. Um, so initially I started working as a mechanic and, and after a while decided, you know, that I would like to change my career and I did some additional studying and then I qualified as a financial planner. Uh-huh. Uh, and I became a financial advisor. I worked in the financial sector for 12 years. Okay. And you continue doing so today? 
Unfortunately not, because I had to change again career and occupation because of the situation that, that we ended up in when we wanted to immigrate to Canada. Um, I'm guessing the mechanic skills were more in demand than the financial planning skills. Exactly. Pretty much, pretty much I was told no sugar coating, nothing. They said, well, we have enough financial advisors here uh, and we don't need you as a financial advisor. If you have anything else to offer, uh, let's talk about it. Otherwise, we're not interested. <laughs> wow, that's fascinating. Because if you look at the immigration atmosphere right now, if you look at Australia, if you look at Canada, you see engineers required, mechanics anyone technical, anyone who can actually build a thing, fix a thing, you know, yes. the UK's whole lorry driver situation. And it's, uh, if everyone who's got a uh, marketing, financial planning, all that stuff, they're like, nah, we're good. Thanks. That's pretty much it. Okay. There's a, a couple of interesting things I'd like to unpack there, but let's start with, uh, why did you initially make the decision to leave Johannesburg and go to Canada? As I said, when I moved to South Africa and I settled down and, and uh, I had already established myself and. I had a very sweet life and obviously I met my wife and we started a family. My wife has always been one of those people where, um, you know, she was born in South Africa, grew up there and spent all her life, uh, in there. She always been a person where this is where I was born and this is where, uh, I stayed for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, up, on, up until the time or the moment when, um, we had our little boy, right. When our son was born. Probably about a year after that, there were a lot of things happening, uh, you know, in the country, unfortunately, uh, mm. you know, political things and the crime rate is on the rise and all kinds of stuff like that, that so many people are a bit worried about and insecure and, and uncertain. And I remember one day we, we kind of like started talking about this thing and especially the future of our son. What would we like him one day as an adult to find a, a to find a job? What would, would the job opportunities, what kind of lifestyle he can have in here? Mm. And that's, that's mainly what changed our minds and, and we decided, okay, as much as we don't really like to do that because we really, really have a beautiful life at the time in South Africa and all our friends and families and everybody, we made the difficult decision to start the process and look at immigration. Oh, I totally understand. I've got a young son as well, and I spent a lot of time thinking about his future as well. Okay, so you thought your options were were better overseas. Did you look uh, straight to Canada, or did you look at some other options? So we we looked at Canada uh, because at the time we we had friends that we thought, okay, Canada could be could be an option because we have somebody there. It's not it's not going to be that we're totally on our own. Yes, we also looked at uh, countries such as Norway. Then we looked at Ireland. Then we looked at the, at the UK. We also had relatives in, in, in the UK. So that, that was definitely an option. But when we started comparing all these things, uh, you know, the, me having a European passport at the time, it, it looked like it's going to be quite an easy process if we wanted to go to, let's say the UK. Right. Then they've decided that they're going to be leaving the European Union. Um, and when that decision was made, uh, kind of like changed the whole view on maybe considering the UK because yeah. then it's a visa and everything changes. And then Ireland was an option also. So I even, I even went there to check it out. I went right. to Norway to check it out. So I did quite a bit of research plus traveling to go to the place and, and, and see how it is, uh, including obviously I traveled to, uh, to Canada just to check it out and consider where it's going to be pretty much the place for us to be. Wow. Okay. When comparing Ireland, Norway, and Canada, what were the kind of main criteria that you were looking for? So, um, I wanted to, to, to see where it's going to be, uh, suitable in terms of obviously culture, mm -hmm. um, opportunities, obviously everybody wants to know what kind of financial security you will be having and salary that you receive in that particular country when you go there, because not all the time, uh, it's a possibility for a family when they go to another country with a small child that both of the parents can jump and go and find work. Sure. Even if the work is available, one parent pretty much all the time has to stay at home and look after the child. Sure. So uh, again, we looked at a couple of countries and then we started the whole process. And a year later, actually, I came to Canada. I wanted to come and see what the country is like. And, and also when we started the process based on the whole experience we had with what qualifies you 
to get into the uh, into into Canada in terms of you know they have the point system yeah. where you need to have education that can that can uh, work in your benefits. Your age is very big factor. Obviously, the occupation if it's on demand or not, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So when we started, we initially started on my wife's uh, profile because she's younger than me and her educational level is higher than mine. So we said, all right, let me come on the side as a spouse and you're going to be the main applicant. Right. And even, even that, even that didn't help. They were having extremely high minimum points required mm -hmm. uh, in order for us to qualify for that express entry. So we started with a company, an uh, immigration company from South Africa, and we did the whole process. We went into the pool. Unfortunately, we didn't have enough points. And, and after a year, when we realized, okay, what we're doing now is we're just spending money and there's no actually a return on that. Yeah. Um, we've decided I'm going to travel to Canada. We already had friends, so I had a place to stay and that made the whole experience so much easier. Sure. So I came over and prior to my arrival to Canada, I've scheduled online few interviews. As soon as I arrived, two days later, I was on the road meeting with potential employers. Mm -hmm. And I've realized that they've got so much shortage of uh, skilled people. In my case, obviously, I was applying as a mechanic and they wanted to pretty much hire me right away on the spot. Like you can't uh, go home. You have to stay here. Fix that right exactly. now. <laughs> exactly. I mean, even, even one employer said to me, I don't care that you don't have uh, documents. I want you to start right now. I was like, I would love to do that, but I'm not allowed to because the law says I'm not allowed to work. I've spent a month in Canada and based on everything that I saw and experienced with the people in Vancouver, in British Columbia, and it is a beautiful, beautiful place. Nature is beautiful. So there's so many things that you can do and it's within maybe two hours drive. Mm -hmm. So they're very much family orientated. Pretty much everything everybody does is to provide support and structure and development for kids, which in our case, having a little son, it was great. We were like, this is what we need. Based on everything else that I experienced here when I was in, uh, in Canada, it wasn't a very difficult decision to say, okay, yeah, we think Canada will suit us. We don't have to learn different languages, even though at some part of the countries, uh, as you know, they speak French. It was easy to make a decision based on that. Right. How many other cities did you have lined up? I wanted to go to Toronto, but I first arrived in, in Vancouver. And luckily for me, I got quite a few offers right on the spot. And I loved the city. I loved everything around it. And when I was meeting local people and we were having a chat, you know, like the, the usual thing where you're coming from and all that kind of stuff. And we chat about different cultures and, and the different cities, even, even within Canada, everybody was saying Vancouver is a very, very expensive place, but pretty much everybody comes to Vancouver, especially in British Columbia, where Vancouver, because of the climate, it is the best climate out of the entire country. It's very mild. It doesn't get so cold. It's very, very much a mild climate. If, if it was any different, my wife would have packed her bags and go back to South Africa a long time ago. <laughs> right. But yeah, so it's, it's really beautiful. And based on that, I mean, obviously we don't want to be into the minus 30. Uh, nobody wants to live in that uh, unless you absolutely have to. So uh, that was a, a decision made already for us, where we're going to be. And that's why I've canceled all my travels. So you decided to move. You headed over to Vancouver with your wife and your, your son. How old was he at that point? He was, uh, he was three. All right. So what was flying, however many hours it is to Vancouver over with a three-year-old like? Oh, uh, surprisingly, he was, he was really good. So we didn't do any medications, anything whatsoever like that, because um, we did a trial run mm -hmm. before the flight. Uh, we went to see our doctor in South Africa and we explained that we, we, we're going to do such a long flight. I mean, we, the whole travel in total, it was just over 30 hours. Jeez. Yeah. A long time. And we explained to, to the doctor, we were like, what can we do? Um, mm. you know, that, uh, that maybe can make the flight more pleasant for him, especially, and obviously for us, um, as well, because you don't want three-year-old running like crazy in the plane. 
she gave us whatever prescription she did at the time. And she suggested, just try it before you go on the flight, just to see how it's going to work. Because sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And in our case, or in his case, it didn't work at all. So we didn't use it. And we were like, oh my word, what are we going to do now? And we were just hoping for the best. And he was an absolute champion. He slept on the plane. He ate when he was hungry. We played games for him and obviously watching movies and other whatever shows he was watching. Mm. So it was really great. And I think maybe uh, the, the, the different time zones, it also might have affected him in a way that he was really tired and he was sleeping um, most of the time. So it actually worked great. Couldn't believe that we were so lucky and he was so good on the plane. We, however, decided to take a break in between the flights and we had a little break, which I strongly advise anybody that needs to travel such a long time to do. Otherwise, making so much changes into different time zones, it's really, really going to have a toll on you. Sure. Um, and and that, was, that was great, really. We also decided to bring our dogs. Okay. But we were not allowed to have them on, on the same plane. They came couple of, uh, what was it about a couple of weeks or a month or two? I can't really remember exactly the time, but they came after. Right. And that was really pricey. I mean, you're really paying a ticket. It's, it's equivalent to human ticket. Um, how much, how much so, do you think it costs overall? If, if I'm not mistaken, I, I, I can't exactly remember the, the amount of the ticket now, but I think for the two dogs that we brought over, I think it was something like 30,000 rand at the time. Okay. Um, that's, that's not that crazy. Yeah, yeah. But again, it's close to what, what you pay for a, it's totally, for a human it's, it's uh, ticket. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And they're taking them to they're taking them to different places and uh, obviously they take them to a a hotel for dogs uh-huh. and they keep them there for to relax a bit. However, it is really stressful for animals. Yeah. Uh, we we could easily see that. Uh, when the dogs arrived, they were hugely stressful. Um, that's why I would say if it's a really old dog, so rather don't put it uh, through all that stress. In terms of caring for animals in Canada and the vet bills and everything, we in South Africa, we thought that the vets in South Africa crazy expensive. We changed our mind when we came, when we came to Canada. <laughs> right. uh, it is ridiculously expensive uh, on this side. And yeah, so as long as you prepare to to cover that and you have the opportunity to cover it, by all means, bring your pets. Did you ship any furniture or personal items? Yes, we did. Uh, we initially thought maybe we can try and have a look at shipping a container with everything that we had from the other side so we don't have to buy anything on this side. But after doing a little bit of a research, we've decided that it's going to be too expensive and it's not like we had uh, crazy antique furniture or anything like that that we wanted to really bring over. So we've decided we're just going to bring a box with most of the valuable things that we decided that we absolutely have to have with us. Sure. And that's what we did. So we downgraded to a box instead of a container and we ended up with, uh, with the very few things. Okay. So you obviously, visa-wise, you got in on a skilled worker, you know, on a, a mechanic, a technician kind of uh, uh, express visa, and your wife came as a spouse. Yes. Um, and has she be, is the spouse is allowed to work or, or not? Actually, my wife, she was in a better situation than me in a way that when the documents were approved on my side for the working visa, the Canadian government gave my wife a so-called open working visa, meaning I was only allowed to work for the company that hired me and that's it. And if they told me for whatever reason that uh, my service is no longer required, that was it. My wife, however, on the other side, she's allowed to do pretty much everything except I think she had the restrictions on one or two things, such as uh, she wasn't allowed to provide a childcare in a crash, for instance, or school or something like that. Right. Pretty much all the normal administration or working for, for a different company, providing different services in offices or whatever the case might be, there was no problem. And she got that open visa, which put it in a better situation. So we always, we were grateful for that because I mean, you never know what could happen in case something happened on my side. And when the time comes for us to, to apply for a permanent residency, again, we could have used 
her, her history, working history in the country and all that kind of stuff and try to get the documents because it was quite interesting. When we arrived here two months later, the, the coronavirus uh, outbreak started, the pandemic started, and that put everybody into an absolute chaos and nobody knew what's going to happen. A lot of stress companies, uh, and I mean, including myself, I was let off for two weeks. I mean, I was only working barely two months. And then right. one day I received a call and they said to me, all right, well, we are not terminating your contract, but until further notice, you'd have to stay at home. So we were like, okay, that's really, really crazy now. What we were never expecting that. So that was quite scary. Luckily only lasted just over a week and they called me back. So everything, you know, normalized after that, but, but it's quite stressful. So yeah, it's good to have a backup. Did you get okay. um, assistance with your move? Did you work with an immigration company? Yes. So when I came to Canada and I had the interview uh, with the company that I'm employed by at the moment, they suggested that they're going to connect me with their uh, immigration attorney. Mm -hmm. But when I say their immigration attorney, it's a, it's a company, it's based in Vancouver where anybody can contact them and they can use their services. We, we went with them. And they were very, very helpful and uh, they really got the job done. So the company helped me a lot in terms mm -hmm. of, um, there is something called a labor market where if you go to the express entry, that's not applicable. You, you, you pretty much being granted the status of a permanent residency before you even arrive here when right. you get the invitation. But if you come on a work visa, it's a very, very long process. It takes a lot of money and time. And one of the things that needs to be done by the actual local company is to do the a labor assessment. Oh, right. They need to see whether you can actually do the job. Never mind that, but also to see, am I taking a job away from a local uh, Canadian? Right. Um, so if the answer is that uh, me coming to work in this country will only have a positive impact and not a negative impact on the labor market, then it's fine. But that costs money, obviously, and the company... They were really great and they agreed to pay all that cost for me. Mm -hmm. And then we took care of the rest of the, of, of the cost in terms of the, the documents and, and the fees for the attorneys and everybody. Right. Yeah. They did a great job and we were very, very happy with them. Do you remember the, the name of that company? I do. I would 100% recommend them to anybody. Cool. Uh, the company it's called Master Immigration. Master Immigration. Yeah. Muslim okay. Immigration Services. They're based in, uh, in Vancouver and they know what they're doing. Great. Awesome. Okay. Let's, uh, let's talk about your life in Vancouver. So yeah. when you first got there, I mean, uh, you've already visited, you've already done a little bit of recon as it were, but when you yeah. arrived there with your wife and your child, what was their impression almost? Like, well, what is, when you get to Vancouver and you just, you step out of the airport or you arrive in wherever it is you're staying. What's your impression of the city? I've said a couple of times to to few people that I remember when I came here, uh, it was a very similar feeling to when I arrived for the first time in South Africa. It was almost like you step off the plane and you you're standing on the ground and everything. You're feeling uh, I feel like I'm I'm at home. Right. That that kind of feeling. Um, obviously it's very stressful. It was a sign of relief for me that I felt because it took us about three years to complete the whole process. Wow. Hectic. And, and when, yes. And then when, uh, all of us were standing at that airport and we, especially when we went through customs and all the stress that you mm. have, because I mean, again, it's, it's always a question mark up until you have given the permit in your hands, yeah. you are, haven't really been given the permit. Yeah. So all that stress with everything. I remember we were so stressed, we were so tired and the immigration officer and uh, my little guy was running around and he just being a child, uh, wanted to play his games and, and I was running after him and, and it was an absolute chaos. And I remember the immigration officer saw me and there were so many people uh, at, the, at the immigration services at the airport. We just made a eye contact and he, he just said to me, are you all together as a family? I said, I said to him, yes. He basically just, there were probably, I don't know, easily 10, 20 people in the front of, in the front of us. So he was just like, okay, get your family and can come right in front. So he sorted out documents. That's so nice. 
extremely, yes. So that's why I'm, I'm saying earlier, this is how pretty much everybody in Canada so, so far that we've met, they are very much family orientated. And if you have a family, no matter what, they put you first most of the time. So when, when we had all our visas and all the documents in our hands, personally, I was like, okay, I can, I can breathe now uh, easily. We've, we've done what we've been trying to do now for three years. Let's go home. So we literally arrived on uh, December 31st, 2019. For them, I mean, that's our midsummer, so it'd be midwinter for them. And what is Vancouver like in, in midwinter? Uh, miserable. <laughs> it was raining so much. Um, I remember the shuttle that the Airbnb, they arranged a shuttle for us. And I remember driving on, on the highway. It was so much rain, like a massive storm in, up in Joburg. Right. That kind of weather normally happens from October and it continues pretty much up until January, February. Wow. Obviously it has a break and you've got a little bit of snow as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but most of the time, because the climate is mild compared to the rest of Canada. So most of the time, if it rains here, that means other places it's snowing and it's freezing cold. Right. right. So here it's, it's mild, but it rains a lot. But again, we've been here for a while now and we've, we've learned and we've decided we're not going to let the, the, the weather interfere with our schedule. And if we want to go out, like people say, there's no such thing as bad weather. There's such thing as bad dress code. Right. <laughs> so if it's raining, just get the proper clothes and go outside and have fun. If you wait for the sunny day to come, you're definitely going to wait for a while before it comes and you're just going to have to stay inside and do absolutely nothing. So you just have to enjoy yourself. Right. Man, that sounds, that's some pretty deep philosophy. If you think about that in life <laughs> kind of thing, it's cool. So um, you've told me a little bit about things that you like about Canada and Vancouver, the friendliness of the people, the focus on children and family and all that kind of thing. Otherwise, culturally or or within the city itself of Vancouver? They've got absolutely stunning, beautiful parks that are all, and, and there's forest everywhere around you. They've got the beautiful trails where you can go for a walk, you can go for a run. It's extremely safe. From the beginning, when we were doing those trials, we were surprised that we saw so many women on their own and they're just having a walk, mm -hmm. different ages. It doesn't really matter uh, how old you are. You go out anytime you want, you go for a run or you go for a walk. They've got beautiful lakes, lakes up everywhere, forest everywhere. You can go up to the mountain, do off-road cycling. Uh, you can cy cycle on the road, which we used to do with my wife as well. We used to do a lot of cycling, which we missed. Uh, we, at some point, we will make a plan to go back to that. It is very safe. Drivers on the road are very much aware of that there's a cycle. It's not like in South Africa, hit and run and that's it. And nobody can make the other person. We have friends that have been hit on the road with bicycles so many times. So there is so much that you can do. Camping grounds. You can have a tent if you want to. You can go to a chalet. You can, you can have those RVs that they call them in here. Right. Um, there's so much that you can do in, in terms of nature. If you are more like a city person, there's the metro so-called here, uh, they call it the sky train. Mm -hmm. Um, you can jump on it from, from anywhere you want, depends where you stay, but let's say nothing more than an hour and you are downtown Vancouver. Right. And when you get there, you go to the bay, uh, where there's, there's a lot of restaurants and, uh, so much entertainment and museums. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to explore and experience all that it's simply because of the coronavirus pandemic sure. that happened and it was quite a bad timing for us uh, not to be able to do this because of that yeah i mean we will do that as we as we go along and learn to deal with that coronavirus um, experience but you go downtown there's a there's a specific area which is a massive tourist attraction called stanley park mm -hmm. um it's a beautiful little piece of the park where You've got a, a sea aquarium where you go inside and you see all different kinds of uh, sea creatures in there. Mm -hmm. People go for a walk. As I said, there's so many restaurants in there, coffee shops. You can just go there for a picnic on a sunny day. It's absolutely beautiful. So there is so much that you can actually do outdoor, indoor, especially when it's raining again. They have those, they, they call them the event centers um, for 
you can go inside, you can do swimming as much. There's Olympic size uh, swimming pools and it's really, really cheap, like a symbolic little pay that you, that you need to book and get the space inside. They've got gymnasiums where kids also can go and play and they have the action parks, like they've got the trampolines inside. And so even if the weather is bad, there are a lot of activities where you can actually keep your site occupied. Okay, so do you feel like your buying power or overall wealth has increased since you've been to Canada or do you project that your quality of life is going to be higher than in South Africa or the same or lower? The, the locals refer to when they say BC, you know, they say BC stands for bring cash. <laughs> uh, so having said that, uh, Vancouver, yes, it is, it is an expensive place. But I believe that, uh, and I feel that the local currency gives you more buying power. And again, you, it's, as always, and lets you really, really having a high-end salary that you don't really care uh, what you're going to spend and where and what. Uh, you have to, end of the day, be clever. doesn't matter where you are in the world in terms of how you buy things, where you buy it, and, mm. and in terms of, as a consumer, what to do with your money. If you don't pay attention about that, and if you're not careful, at some point, you could end up in trouble. But overall, I believe that the buying power is, uh, is better on this side. And yes, the quality of life, yes, I do think that it is better because also there's a lot of things where uh, that people can do as a family to get support. And there's a good support from the government as well, right. um, especially when there's a child involved. For example, let's, let's use things such as healthcare, medical aid. In South Africa, it's crazy expensive to have, doesn't matter which company you choose to be your health provider in the private sector. Mm -hmm. In Canada, the, the healthcare is free right? and it's a good healthcare. On the other hand, if you need to put savings aside, let's say for, for education purposes for your child, they have a, I cannot remember the, the actual product that it, that it's called, but the saving plan that you can put aside for your child. The government gives you a tremendous help uh, that they say up until a certain limit. Again, I could be wrong. I'll, I'll speak under correction, but I think it's something like $50,000 or something. Again, I could be totally, uh, totally wrong, but I don't know how, why I've got that number in my head. If you contribute this amount of money, the government will match it. Wow. Anything above that, that you do on your own side, then it's, it's, it's your money. Um, so one day when your child or your kids decide to go to university, and this is for university, the rest of the education is hundred percent free. Right. Um, so when your child or kids go to university one day, you're sitting with this massive amount of money where it's basically being given to you by the government for that purpose. Because again, education everywhere in the world is expensive. And if your kids decide not to make use of that because they all of a sudden feel like they don't need to go to university, then it obviously falls away, but then they can still use the money that you've saved. Should I? They obviously giving you support financially every month, every quarter. Financially, they support the kids as well for their development. Maybe you would like to send them to additional lessons maths, uh, music lessons, whatever the case might be, they give you additional cash that you can make use of that. Um, right. so again, uh, on, on, on my side and, and my wife as well, we were pleasantly surprised that, as I mentioned earlier, when I was laid off from work, not even two months into my new job, hmm. the government said that I can apply for financial help from them. And we, my wife and I, we, we looked at each other, we we're like, that's amazing because I mean. I'm on a work visa. I don't have any other status here as a citizen, permanent residency, nothing. I'm literally on a, on a, on a work visa and we qualified to receive $500 a week. Sure. Um, for us, that was like based on the fact that we literally just arrived. It's not like yeah. we were being here all our life. Yeah. You haven't and contributed they, to their system very much yet. Ex exactly. And they said, okay, well, we'll give you some financial support. It might not be much, but it will help you in, in a way somehow. Sure. Of course. $500 a yes. week isn't nothing. That's great. Yeah. So for those listening, we'll do some Googling about that children's saving plan and I'll put the details in the show notes. So if you want to check whether Sven got that number of $50,000 right, you can check the show notes now and uh, we'll, we'll make sure that number is correct over there. 
Right. Let's talk a little bit about these quality of life categories. So I've got a few categories that I want you to rate from one to 10. You can give me a little bit of context if you want, but I'm um, aware we've, we've, we are going on a little bit. I don't want to use up too much of your, your Thursday morning. So let's go through these different topics and you can tell me how good you think they are or how good or bad you think they are in Canada on a scale of one to 10. So uh, with number one being healthcare. The, I would definitely say, I mean, no healthcare, it's, it, it's perfect. Let me say that. But the way it is here, I would say eight. Mm-hmm. And it's, as I understand it, the Canadian healthcare system is entirely free, right? It's entirely free. Yes. They don't have the, the private sector here. And my understanding is they don't want to allow the private sector to, to get into healthcare. Education. What's your experience there? Education is very good. The only thing that you really going to pay money for, if you have a little child that needs to go to crash, mm-hmm. uh, up until the age of five, you pay quite a bit to send your child for a daycare. You're looking at easily around $300 a month. Okay. And obviously if you have more than one child, then it becomes mm-hmm. a little bit, a little bit expensive. But as soon as you over that age bracket with the kids, uh, everything is free mm-hmm. and the education is, is, is really good. There's no really need for anybody to consider private schooling of their kids if they really absolutely don't have to, or they want to do it just because of the status or anything like that. But in my opinion, education is very good. And yeah, I would already probably right up there, um, nine, 10. Would you say that your, the safety and security issue has been a big change for your wife? If she thinks about going back to South Africa now, does she feel quite a lot of anxiety about how, whether she would feel insecure or not? In South Africa, even during the day, we would never leave our door open. Mm. Um, and for instance, uh, during the summer days, when we go outside and we've got a playground at the place where we live. And if our son is outside playing with his friends, we go outside in the playground and, and our doors and windows and every, everything is open. We would never do that. For some people, that might be a little bit extreme, but that's how we were in South Africa and all our friends and everybody we knew in Johannesburg, mm-hmm. everybody, it was the same. So you go in, you close, or you lock it behind you. You go out, you lock it again. It's yeah, sure. that, 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 that kind of thing. Here, we don't do that. Yes, you lock if you... If you go to sleep, we don't have an alarm system. There's no such thing. Uh, very few houses, uh, I believe, here uh, have an alarm system. So that level of being worried about your safety, it's, it's no longer there. And, and it actually went away very quickly after, after we arrived. And I was kind of like trying to monitor to see how my wife would be. And yeah, so she's totally, totally relaxed compared to the way she used to be in South Africa. And we haven't really spoken about how she might be feeling about that specific uh, issue one day when we go back to South Africa on holiday. But I would assume, because obviously that's not the time to do now, uh, right now, but I would definitely believe that if, if she needs to think about that, she would probably be quite anxious about it. Right. Sure. All right. Let's get back to the list. Number three is work opportunity. Work opportunities in my experience and, and on my wife's experience as well, there's a massive shortage. Even last week, actually, they were, they were saying on, on the radio that all the employers and different companies right now, they really find themselves in a very, very difficult situation when the economy is reopening and everything is starting to function again and, and everybody's trying to go back to normal business. It's a huge struggle uh, right now for companies to hire people. And for some reason, they say Canada almost all the time, they have been having shortages in terms of um, workers. Mm-hmm. And because of the coronavirus right now, all those immigrants that applying from other places uh, all over the world to come in here, that process has been somehow interrupted, they have really, really a bad shortage at the moment and high demand uh, of, uh, of, of workers in all sectors. Like to start from the tourist industry, a couple of days ago, they were talking about there's a ski resort in Kelowna. It's another uh, little place in British Columbia. They, they've got a ski resort there. It's called the, the Big White. They were asking for people to come there for the winter season to work in the restaurants and in, on the facilities in general. And they don't have enough people to do that. And they're expecting this year now that things are opening and there will be 
more people going into those resorts, they're going to have a problem because there's no people to, to work there and provide the, the services. Mm. Um, in terms of the industry where I am also, there's a massive uh, shortage. The actual occupation is on a very short list of uh, high demand occupations. Anything across the board in terms of trade, it's in a high demand. The medical sector, because of uh, such a huge amount of stress, especially when it comes to the nurses in the hospitals, yeah. they, they've never really had a big amount of, a uh, big number of nurses circulating in the system in general, in the national system of, of the healthcare. But right now there are so many nurses that have left because they, they just said it's taking a huge toll on me mm. mentally, on my body and all that kind of stuff. I'm done with this. And they just walk away. Yeah. And right now. They have a huge demand for, for nurses. Um, so if you have any kind of skills, I would probably say you would be good to go. You've got to be a, quite a hot commodity to, to be on the market. Sure. With my wife, she needed a, quite a bit of a flexibility uh, with the job because of uh, our son. It took her a little bit of time to actually find a job, but, but she did. And the person that she's working for, it's, it's a great employer. And they gave her so much flexibility with everything. So that was a bit of an issue. So if you're listening, if you're in one of those technical or healthcare industries, I have seen a lot of action on LinkedIn companies that deal in this kind of thing, like Robbie at New World Immigration, that Canada is looking for those skills. But if that extends into other categories, then well worth getting in touch with companies that you might be interested in working for and, and telling them you're available and making the case that you have unique skills and tuning up your LinkedIn profile and that kind of thing, because the express entry point system is crazy. It doesn't look like anyone's getting in through there. I mean, the way Robbie told me, you need to be a 27 year old master's student with work experience. Otherwise you're just not going to get into that points bracket. You know, the work visa is kind of the back door and it's a difficult one, as you said, three years to, to organize everything, but, um, but it's a way in for South Africans and there's not too many of those. A hundred percent. Yes. The, the only uh, downside on the, the work visa in my personal experience was besides the time that it took for everything to happen. It was that pretty much, I would say 95% of, of the companies that I got in touch with on the websites, when they were advertising work opportunities and all that people wanted to meet with me. They were like, when I, when are you coming to Vancouver? Which was quite surprising to me. I, I, I thought, well. There's so many different platforms where we can communicate. It was quite surprising for me to, to see that, well, like, why do you, are you asking me to travel all that way just for a meeting where you could easily say, well, thank you very much for coming, but we're not interested. Sure. And I've spent so much money just to travel to you. Luckily, it wasn't the case. And every single interview I went to, they offered me a job. It's simply because obviously they have so much uh, shortage of, of, of skills in this country. But 100% uh, a work visa, it was the way to go. Because again, we tried the express entry and those numbers that, as you just mentioned, are so high, then it just wasn't going to work. Uh, not a chance. I mean, there's obviously other different options where you can go like the provincial programs, which is specific for different provinces and depends on the occupation you have and all that kind of stuff that could also work. But then if you're going to be using that, I would suggest don't even waste your time. Do it on your own. Do it through a person, uh, immigration company, make sure that they know what they're doing. Otherwise they're just going to take your money and, and that is going to happen and then do it with them. Any program. Don't do the application forms and all these things on your own because it's so tricky. One little mistake, it's just going to kick you out and that's it. Then you need to pay all over again and do all these things. And so just get somebody to help you uh, pay the money and it's going to happen. We got a couple more things on the, the quick fire here. So uh, arts and culture. So opportunity to see music for cinema, for art, for galleries, for visiting bands and that kind of thing. Obviously you've been stuck in the middle of the pandemic, so not great recently, but in general, how would, how would you, uh, how would you project that'll be once things open up a bit? There are a lot of, uh, music stars that they come over. They've already been talking about few country music musicians uh, coming over from, uh, from America to have some concerts over here. They're already talking about that. Then uh, in terms of different, you know, arts and culture and all that, uh, again, unfortunately, I don't really know, haven't been uh, onto that because of uh, all the restrictions and lockdowns, 
but there's a lot of things to do. Uh, I'm sure they have plenty of art galleries and obviously the theaters and all that kind of stuff, the different shows, they just slowly, slowly beginning to open. But if you're into that, definitely there's a lot of international artists and musicians and everybody that's come through Vancouver. If anybody internationally comes to do a show, just to give an example, to South Africa, mm. the main places they're going to go, it's Cape Town and Johannesburg for sure. Yeah. So it's, it's almost similar like here. If somebody's coming over to Canada, they're definitely going to go to Toronto, Vancouver, Calgary. Mm. So Vancouver, it's one of those cities where if anything is happening, it's definitely going to come um, here as well. Right. And it's, it's a lot to offer. Then again, impacts by the pandemic. But even if you haven't been to a lot of restaurants, what is the food like, the quality of the food, both from a supermarket and a, a prepared food at the restaurant situation? One thing that was uh, very interesting for us, for my wife and I to find is that apparently Vancouver as a whole has the highest concentration of sushi restaurants in the world. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you're into that, you will definitely be in your happy place. Um, otherwise, in terms of uh, the, the food cuisine, it's nice. It's very interesting. Again, it's a mixture of different cultures. The same like in South Africa, there's so many different cultures that you, you've got your Italian uh, restaurants, you've got your Indian, your Portuguese. I mean, if you're a big fan of Nando's, it's available in here as well. Uh, maybe they should pay me something for advertising. <laughs> uh, but it's everything is in here. Your steakhouses, any kind of food that you can think of, you have your high-end restaurants, which are quite pricey. But again, uh, people don't really go there just because you go to those kind of restaurants on a special occasion. Sure. Uh, and you celebrate it. Uh, I, I can't remember the name right now, but there was a downtown Vancouver. There's a restaurant which rotates 360 degrees. It's quite high up. Uh, it over, overlooks the, the city. It's beautiful. As long as you stop converting in your mind from yes. <laughs> to dollars, you will be fine. Yeah. Um, otherwise, see if you if you continue converting, uh, yes, it's it's way way more expensive in South Africa. Right. Of course. Lastly. What advice would you give those who are thinking about moving to Canada or Vancouver? Um, first of all, with respect to the papers and the documents and all that kind of stuff, unless you are on the very high end, you have your chartered accountant, whatever, something that, that you got your PhD in something or whatever the case might be like that, you probably wouldn't even have to worry about all the things that I've gone through with, with my wife. Because uh, on your extremely high education level, and obviously your age will play a massive, a massive role in that. But most likely, if you have extremely high education, you will be fine. And all that process will be way more pleasant and, and quick and easy for you. Mm. But if you don't fall into any one of those categories, you need to prepare yourself first. It takes a long time. For whatever reason, I don't know, but the Canadian embassy in South Africa was very painful experience. They say the whole process takes 12 weeks, not even close. It, you, you can easily double or triple that. Right. They ask one question that you answer and a month later they ask another question and so it goes. And my thinking was like, you have all these questions. Why don't you send me one email with everything that I can answer at the same time and we can complete the whole process. Right. So that's one thing. So you need to prepare for that. If you are in a hurry to get out of South Africa and, and go to Canada, it's not going to happen that quick. Unless, as I said, you fall into a different profile. Right. Two, you have to have the cash and be prepared to pay all that cash for, for everything. It is very expensive. Unfortunately, if you go through attorneys, which I highly recommend, they are the professionals. They know what they're doing. Pay the money if you really want to go through. But prepare yourself to be on a little bit of a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. uh, and that roller coaster is very expensive. If you are okay with all that and you're willing to do the time and to pay for it. On the other hand, once you come over here, be aware that the weather is not even close to what the South African weather is. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got the four seasons. There's a lot of rain. But but the surroundings, the, the nature experience, the experience in the city, everything that is available to you. Uh, to entertain yourself, to have relaxed time, and I hope soon 
all the nightclubs and everything that it's restaurants and everything that is available, it's all worth it. In terms of sport and inter- when it comes to the entertainment on the sports side, for all the Motorhead fans uh, from next year, the Formula E will be, will be visiting in here. Right. Cool. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. But unfortunately, there's really no rugby and cricket. Right. But day and night, you can watch ice hockey. Right. And that's and, pretty much rugby with something that looks like a cricket bat. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, baseball, there's a lot of baseball and uh, obviously American football. A little bit of soccer as well, they show, but, but not the national, national sport pretty much is the hockey. Great. It's clear that you love living there. I mean, you've been there now about a year and eight, eight months. 18, 19 months. Yeah. 19 months. Yeah. And it sounds like it's working out for you, which is, which is fantastic to hear. I hope that you get to see more of the city as, uh, as things unlock the same situation over here. You know, we're feeling a little bit more free. I, I really wish we would get to a point where enough people were vaccinated that we could lose the masks. Cause that is really, yes. it's not even that much of an inconvenience. It's just this reminder that the world's messed up. And when you go to the beach and you can take it off or you sit in a restaurant and you take it off, like it, it feels like going back to normal, you know? So, uh, True. I'm sure it'll feel the, the same in Vancouver. Sven, thanks so much for your time, dude. Um, that was a really great explanation of all the, the little complexities of moving across. And it's very interesting as well to hear from someone who went across on a work visa rather than either an ancestral visa or the express, like your journey. Sounds like a, a hell of a mission. Sounds like if you, if you want to move to Canada, you better want it. <laughs> like, you better want it and you want it badly, yes. Otherwise, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Hectic. Well, uh, good luck for the next uh, year coming up, man. And, uh, and thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. Welcome, John. Um, thank you very much for, for that. Uh, give me the opportunity to express uh, what we've gone through and our experience to talk about. Uh, it was a pleasure meeting you. And um, yeah, good luck to you with everything. Awesome. Thank you, man. South African Expats is produced by Jonathan Vanka and brought to you by Ping Productions.